When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex, weekday afternoons on The Horn. Hour two of the Sports Complex here on The Horn. Going to get into a little Texas basketball talk in a little bit. A uh, little NBA if we can fit it in. We're going to have Bruce Gasper call, call in to talk a little bit about Alabama versus Michigan and uh, what's going to be happening there. But before we get to all of that, on a busy Friday, we had to go call our guy from inside Texas, Joe Cook. He's joined us many times throughout the season. He is in New Orleans getting ready uh, for this big matchup. Joe, how you doing out there? I'm doing great. It's always fun to be in the Big Easy Patcher. Uh, it's, it's always fun to be watching uh, and covering high-stakes college football games, too, so... This is awesome. I've uh, been waiting to do this for like five years or so now, so glad it's finally happening. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a good feeling to be back in, in the Sugar Bowl. It's a good feeling to be back in a game that uh, that matters even more than the last time you were in the Sugar Bowl. I know that was the we're back year, and it was a fun win, but uh, it didn't lead to better things. This one seems like it's headed all in the right direction. What is the mood in New Orleans right now? I've listened to the press conferences, and it feels like I feel more Texas people, at least in the press there, uh, what's the mood like in New Orleans right now? Everybody seems really confident, um, and, it, and that's really no surprise. You know, you, you see guys like Adonai Mitchell dancing on the sidelines at Brian Denny Stadium. You see guys like Quinn Ewers just, you know, throwing and throwing and throwing. You see this whole team acting how they've been all year. Everybody seems confident, uh, at least on the burn orange side. But then you go to the purple and gold side, and they're confident, and, and I love that. Like, you're 13-0. Or you're twelve and one. You won your conference. You're in the college football playoff. You should be confident, no matter who's on the other side of you. Whether it's Roma Dunze, Jalen McMillan, or Jalen Polk, or whether it's um, Byron Murphy and and Tavondre Sweat. Like no matter who's a- across from you, you should be confident in your ability. And I love seeing that from both these teams. So everybody thinks that they're going to have a, a really good opportunity to win this game. Both teams do have a good opportunity to win this game, and I'm excited. It's one of those, I think the way I put it the other day was, it's a situation where if you're at a heavyweight title fight weigh-in, and you're not talking smack, you're not putting your finger in other people's faces, but you're just kind of staring the, the opponent down, and you're not doing anything you know, really to, to get them. You're just smirking, and you're shaking their hand, and you're ready to go. And that that's what it feels like. Everybody is a little bit familiar with each other. Everybody knows it's on the other side. They believe they can top the other side, but they're not going to just disrespect the other side. It's really cool to see that, especially in a setting like this. Yeah, and I mean, it's we've seen that it's kind of looked like there's been, you know, maybe a little bit more veteran crowd in this this group. Both groups have some really big veteran players. I know Tavondre Sweat was joking around with Byron Murphy yesterday. Uh, everybody seems to be pretty okay uh, given the press conferences, not a lot of uh, shy people in this one. Uh, let's start, though, getting into some of the X's and O's or the game or, well, you know, the big pieces of it. Uh, let's start off 
with this uh, Washington offense versus the Texas defense. Uh, we know that the battle on the defensive line is going to be big. Uh, the offensive line for, for Washington is one of the best. The defensive line for Texas is one of the best. How do you see Texas attacking this offensive line? We know that Devondre and Byron Murphy are coming up the middle, but are they going to try and throw some wrinkles in there, maybe throw some different kinds of blitzes in there, or do you expect more just kind of just rushing and trying to get pressure on the sides? I don't really see PK trying to, you know, do something that's out of his tendencies and start blitzing like crazy. That, that that's just not what he does, and it's not what he has to do. Uh, I, I really see him leaning on Devondre Sweat and Byron Murphy, uh, like he has all year, not only to try to pressure Michael Penix up the middle, but also just to limit whatever Dylan Johnson and company try to do in that run game. When you have two guys who are All-American status, you're going to rely on those All-Americans, and you're going to rely on them to, to stop the run, and that's what I see Texas doing. Whether that really affects what happens in the back end, that's what remains to be seen because, you know, if you think about just passing offense in the college game, whether you're a redshirt sophomore you're a six-year senior, it's easier when you're able to do it under play action. It, it draws in defenders, it draws in linebackers, it clears the picture up for you. Texas is probably going to be able to play the run game, honestly, with four men on the line of scrimmage and six men in the box. That means that they may not have to dedicate extra attention to the Husky run game to where they can look at a play action and just be like, eh, you know what, 90 and 93 are up there. I'm curious to see how that affects Michael Penix. He's been pretty good in situations where he doesn't use play action, but it's still a bigger challenge for quarterbacks. The same applies for Quinn Ewers. Texas is about 50-50 as close as they can be between play action and you know drop back passing. Quinn Ewers has done better with just progressing and passing and not having play action, but it's still a little bit more difficult because – defenses can just drop back. So I'm just kind of curious. It, it always is cliche, but, you know, the run offense for each team is going to determine a lot because if either team has a run offense that's successful, it really will open up everything else. Both teams have the capability to pass and pass only, but it's not what they want to do. So if either team can really kind of turn up the run That'll say a lot about the, the, the course this game takes and uh, who will be able to, to win it in the end. Yeah, no, we've seen Dylan Johnson for, for Washington. When he started to come on and run better, that offense looked as good as it's looked all season. Uh, so for Texas, being able to stop Dylan Johnson, they're going to be able to throw the ball. We, we, we know that. They're going to get yardage. Uh, and on that end, with Texas being able to drop back in coverage, maybe not rush so many guys, drop a little, get back more guys in coverage. If Texas finds themselves down at all in this game, are they going to have to change their their game plan in the secondary? Because it feels like they're a bend but don't break offense. It feels like PK said in his a uh, few times yesterday that uh, as long as we keep them out of the end zone, we're doing okay. Do you think there's a point in this game where they may have to play a little bit more aggressive in the secondary or they're going to try and stick to the game plan and play maybe a little bit less aggressive uh, against Michael Penix? I, I think you just kind of have to dedicate four in the back, five in the back, and, and live with it because you, you when you have Savondre Sweat and Byron Murphy, 
you really feel like you don't have to dedicate more than five to the run game. And if you have to start dedicating more than that, then Michael Penix and Roma Dunze and Jalen McMillan are going to pick you apart. So I, I don't really think Texas is, is going to get super aggressive. I think if you went to inside Texas today and saw what uh, Longhorn Scott, longtime barking carnival guy, came out of retirement because this is a big game and had to write something big. If you went to inside Texas and saw that, basically you're going to see some change-ups but you're not going to see just an over-aggressive style because I think Pete Kwiatkowski is confident in his defensive tackles and he's confident in just the numbers versus numbers with as far as, you know, four to five in the secondary versus three or four going downfield for Washington. Yeah, and uh, one more thing on the defense. So, all right, so we know that Washington, Kalen DeBoer is a really good coach. They like to break tendency sometimes. They have been not necessarily a hurry-up team and played a little bit more methodically throughout the season. Is this a an offense that may try and break tendency a little bit and hurry up just knowing that Texas somewhat gets weakened by uh, a hurry-up offense all the way down the field? Do you think that's something they may employ or anything else they might do to break tendency against Texas? I think that may be something they uh, use whenever Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy aren't on the field. Yeah. Uh, whenever Vernon Broughton, maybe Alfred Collins are out there, they may try that um, because that's been successful. When you look at the, the teams that have put together the most yards against the Horns, it's been Oklahoma, who runs a lightning-fast tempo. It's been TCU, who runs a lightning-fast tempo. And it's been U of H, who uses that with regularity. But it depends on who's out there. Um, I'm not exactly sure if giving Texas more possessions is something Washington wants to do. I mean, we're talking about the Washington offense and, you know, a Heisman runner-up in Penix, three great wide receivers, and a guy who is has a great claim to Belitnikoff to finish probably second for it in, in Roba Dunze. Yeah, you don't want to give them – you want to create opportunities for them, I should say. But do you want to create more opportunities for Quinn Ewers to find Xavier Worthy and Nadine Mitchell and Jatavian Sanders and Jordan Whittington and hand the ball off to Jaden Blue or maybe C.J. Baxter goes off the middle or maybe Jatavian Sanders is able to get free? I, I, I don't know. That, that's what Tempo does, and I'm not sure if that's in Kalen DeBoer's best uh, strategy. Maybe it's something he uses when he sees a matchup advantage, but as far as like a regular strategy, I'm not sure that's something that they're – going to go into, which I think is going to be fun. It's going to give every offensive and defensive play caller a lot of opportunity to see what's on the field and try to create a best play call for what the situation they're looking at is. I like that. We're talking to Joseph Cook. Joe Cook, uh, Joseph Cook 89 on X. You can follow Inside Texas on X as well. He's the managing editor of Inside Texas. Looking on the other side then with uh, Quinn Ewers having the ball we know that Washington can play a really good third down. They have really good third down defense, defensive packages. Uh, we know that they may play seven guys up front at points in this game as well. Is this something that Sark may try and throw out and maybe hurry up or try and get out and get up to the line of scrimmage quick when he has the right personnel to take some shots downfield if he feels he can get one-on-one with uh, some of the guys on the outside for X-Man or for uh, AD? Yeah, absolutely. If he sees something that's there and that he can force defenses to stay in, that's that's when he's going to go into tempo and try to take advantage of it. And, and even Kyle Flood, who's 
the titular offensive coordinator and the offensive line coach kind of talked about that. You know, he tries to be eyes for Steve Sarkeesian, but he also understands that Steve Sarkeesian has great in uh, in real time play calling ability. Uh, but if that's something that's there, uh, I would not be surprised to see see Sarkeesian takes advantage of it, and it'll be through the pass, it'll be through the run. Um, basically, with with a healthy Quinn Ewers, Texas is more able to take advantage of all parts of the field better than they have been. As, as yeah, I can't really tell you, and maybe until since that U of H game. Uh, so they're going to try to go deep downfield, whether that's with Worthy, whether that's with Mitchell. They're going to try to run the ball. They may not go between the tackles as much because that's not been C.J. Baxter's strength, uh, but they're going to have personnel and have guys who can stress all different aspects of the field, and I'm not going to bet against Steve Sarkeesian being able to find the, the certain spot especially against the kind of shaky Husky secondary that's the right one to attack and the right one to try to move down the field against. So we know Sark has, you know, his play calling has seemed to improve a little bit more this season, and he's continued to get more and more comfortable play calling and more trust in this offense. Uh, But we know what Kalen DeBoer said last year was that he didn't trust Sark to just be able to play conservatively enough and just march down the field. He knows he wants to take shots. Do you think Kalen DeBoer may be playing with fire a little bit if he basically continues to try and entice Sark to throw? And can Sark then be able to make the right play calls and still focus on the run game where they got away from it last year? And, you know, they were never really out of it, but they still continue to just throw the ball and throw the ball and throw the ball. Is he going to be a little bit easier this season to stick with the run game uh, with some of the success they've had going into this game? Man, if Quinn Ewers is playing the way he has been for the past three or four weeks, you may not need it. Like, you look at the game plan against Oklahoma State where Texas has kind of said, you know what, we have a really great quarterback who can attack short right, short left, medium right, medium left, and hit some stuff downfield on occasion. They may not really rely on a run game because they know that Quinn Ewers is able to attack defense is the way he has been over the past few games. And uh, I know that uh, Kyle Fled said earlier today that they're a run-first play-action offense with balance. But then I also can look at the Big 12 title game and see 45 or 46 pass attempts and know that if, hey, the best chance of winning is with your quarterback throwing over the field, that's what they're going to take. So uh, it's a little bit of both, but I think you have to look at the, the recent you know, evidence and just see that if, if Quinn Ewers is on his game and the Husky defense is giving him opportunities, it doesn't really matter about balance and, and the run game. They're just going to take yards however yards are offered to him, and that'll be, you know, passing and Quinn Ewers and uh, the, the Longhorn passing offense just being prolific and often used against the Huskies. All right, so we know that the you know to win games at this time of the year, you need to win the lines of scrimmage. We know you got you know we're having a great defensive line versus a great offensive line. The edge rushers for Washington are really good against a good uh, Texas lineup as well. But when we talk about if we know that if we know both teams are going to throw and you're going to get down. What's your X factor for Texas? Who's your X factor to give them this special edge that may have a special game and a big game uh, in the Sugar Bowl for Texas? an easy choice, but I think it's Octavian Sanders. Um, the, the the Husky defense is going to protect against Xavier Worthy and Adam and I Mitchell beating them deep. 
They have a talented pass rusher. They have a talented defensive tackle who can make things happen in, in either aspect of, of their defense. So what happens when Quinn Ewers looks, looks, realizes there's pressure, and then looks for number zero? I think he's going to hit them pretty often, and I think it's going to depend a lot on what Jatavian Sanders is able to do with the football in his hands. Uh, he's been really good in that all year. He's one of the best down options in college football. But if he if there's you know a twenty yard gain available and he makes it twenty five, that's a huge aspect in this game. Uh, whether it be in the red zone, whether it be if the Longhorns are on the fifty, whether it be they're on their own twenty five, the fact that you can look to a guy, dump it down to him as a third or fourth option, and maybe just watch him and let him go get it, you know thirty so yards, that will be huge in, in determining the factor of this game just because of the the chess match of, of football and, you know, trying to create more yards or less yards for your opponent to have to go against and defend. So I think it's going to be Jatavian Sanders and just him trying to figure out how to maybe not always be the first option, but how to be effective as being the second or third option. I like that. I like that. Uh, speaking to Joe Cook, managing editor of Inside Texas, you can follow him on X at, at Joseph Cook 89. Uh, so we get there. Is is this a game that you believe Texas can win? I won't make you give a final score prediction because we still got a few days to go. I know you're going to do some more stuff, but do you, is this a game that you feel Texas should win? I really do, and I think it's one they can win in multiple ways. I think it's one they can win if you know they're lucky enough to shut down that Husky receiving core. I think they can you know win a 27-21 game or something like that, one that looked like last year's. I think they can win in the shootout. You know, it, I, it's you have faith in the Husky offense and producing, but I don't think you have the same amount of faith in the Husky defense to stop Texas to where, hey, they can go and get 40-something points in a, in a scenario like this. At the same time, I kind of feel like Texas can take advantage of just the sheer number of opportunities that they're going to face against the Husky offense and maybe – create a special teams or defensive turnover. So um, I, I, I do like Texas. Uh, you look at all the different scenarios. Washington win big. Washington win close. Texas win close. Texas win big. And it, feel like, it feels like there's more scenarios that include Texas win close and Texas win big than anything else. I like that. I like that. Before I let you go, uh, I know that bars in New Orleans are going to have a fun time uh, being asked the question if they have Longhorn Network tonight. Uh, as Texas is playing UNC Greensboro. Uh, what have you seen from this Texas basketball team before we let you go so far this season? Man, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what Dylan DeSue does again. Um, I know he had a fantastic debut against LSU and was able to to get everything. And a little bit more. He, he probably played a, a larger workload than he anticipated. Um, I, I really just want to see how he meshes in. And not just on the offensive end, He's got to mesh in on the defensive end as well. Like this is a Texas team that can outscore a lot of opponents, but it's also a Texas team that can just you know suddenly give up seventy-five points. And in college basketball, and especially in the Big Twelve, that's a number that you don't want to see. And it could you know you could shrink that number down to seventy, but with the Texas offense that we've seen, you may have faith in holding opponents under seventy-five being the number. So I want to see how not only. Dylan just factors in again on the offensive end, 
but just what he does to affect defenses against a UNC Greensboro team that, uh, in all honesty, is probably outperforming expectations. We'll see how they end up at the end of the year as far as being a, a resume builder. But right now, they look pretty good if you beat them and uh, you have them on your resume just because they're, I think they're in a top 150, maybe even top 175 range. So uh, I just kind of want to see improvement on the defensive end. And for me, that starts with Dylan DeSue. It does. And I'm, I'm excited to see uh, him and Chedrick after a week of rest I think it'll be nice that they got a little break, and Shedrick seems like he's just getting kind of beat up this season already. So get him a break a little bit to come back tonight, and we'll see what he does. Uh, Joe Cook from Inside Texas, at JosephCook89 on Twitter. Uh, we appreciate you, Joe. Uh, have fun. Uh, don't celebrate too much in New Orleans before the game. I know it seems like a hard place to have to be there for a week before you have to do your hard work. A little bit, but we'll make it happen. We'll be on uh, InsideTexas.com. So thank you so much, Patrick. Talk to you next time. Appreciate it, Joe. Uh, Joe Cook there from Inside Texas. A great follow if you have not followed him. Uh, a really uh, inside track and a great mind for football and basketball as well as we get into the season. Uh, check them out at Inside Texas. Always enjoy having Joe on the show. All right, why don't we take a break? When we come back, uh, we will talk to Bruce Castleberry about some Alabama and Michigan. We'll try and get some NBA talk and more text if you guys want to keep talking. Uh, 512-447-3776 is the text line number. Uh, if you have an MVP for the Texas game, if you have a final score prediction, send that in as well. Uh, all that coming up on the Sports Complex on the Horn, 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app at hornfm.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex. Weekday afternoons only on the Horn. Back on the Sports Complex here on the Horn. Keeping it rolling here. Thanks to Joe Cook for calling in to talk about some Texas versus Washington. It is a 5-1-2 Friday where we play local music and go check out live this weekend. This is Saucer. They're playing tonight at Come and Take It Live, 8 p.m. I'm going to be there. And so is the man who's in the band and my man that I talk about Alabama football with all the time. He's on the phone with us right now, Mr. Bruce Castleberry. You getting ready? You getting pumped up for the show tonight, Bruce? Oh man, uh, that's one of my favorite songs that I wrote for that record. Let it go. That's uh, that'll be about seven or eight in the song, uh, the set list tonight. But yeah, dude, I'm getting ready. We got an early show, you know. 
for us uh, older folks, 8 p.m. You know, come take your Viagra and Geritol at the door and a shot of Jack, you know. Exactly. And we come and take it. You'll see me. I'll be up there rocking out, and then I'll be walking the back because they usually have the game on in the back of the club, not by where the band is, but you go in the back and watch the game. So I, I kind of go back and forth. Uh, but I know my man Bruce, I've been watching all season long. I've been watching Alabama games with Bruce. Uh, so I wanted to bring him on because, uh, you know, I've been focused on Texas versus Washington. Uh, I've not focused much on Alabama versus Michigan, but I know you have focused on that game. Uh, first off, let's get let's get this out of the way. Alabama should be in over Florida State, right, Bruce? Well, of course. I mean, come on. They lost their quarterback, number one quarterback. And, I mean, look at the ACC. Look at uh, Kentucky almost took down Big Clemson. Louisville ain't worth the you-know-what. And FSU, um, at last time I checked it, let's see, it was minus 20. I know everybody opted out. I did it. But, come on, man. Yes, Alabama should be in there every playoff. <laughs> <laughs> every playoff. So, uh, one of the big stories coming out of Alabama, Michigan, to start off is with Jalen Milrow. That when he was uh, doing his media availability before the game, that they asked him about uh, if you know where basically where he came from. That he you know stayed with Alabama and could have transferred. That there was issues that he wasn't sure if he was going to be you know if they were even going to keep him as a as a quarterback and. Was he going to be the starter? And, you know, he gets in there. He proves himself. They do pull him out and try the other quarterbacks. They're not as good. He keeps progressing throughout the season. He then says that Bill O'Brien told him he should change positions a year ago. How happy are you that he didn't listen to Bill O'Brien and is still your quarterback right now? Well, let's just start off with the dude saying that, Bill O'Brien. <laughs> guy's a hack. The guy's a super hack. I didn't like him when he first came into the organization. Didn't like him in Houston. Don't like where he's going. But, man, um, you know, Jason Milrow is one of those special cats, just like Tua was, just like Jalen, man. There's a special kind of folks that, that come down there. And I don't know, you know, is it Southern hospitality or what, what it is, but they turn out some really, really good cats. I know there's that one wide receiver guy that got in trouble for, you know, going too fast and you know, doing that. But those quarterbacks that come out of there really uh, – you know they're really good folks, and they're really that's why they're good quarterbacks. And I'm really excited to see, you know, his progression. He's staying around for next year, and if he does really well through these hopefully next two games, that you know he'll be a Heisman candidate. I mean, he's grown. You've watched him grown from getting benched, being second or third fiddle to, you know, looking at the Heisman. Come on, man. All right, so. We know that Jalen Milrow is going to be a big piece of this game against Michigan, that he's going to need to step out. Uh, he's going to have to run the ball. Jim Harbaugh said he runs the ball like Reggie Bush is what he said today. Uh, but to see, do you know he's going to be a big piece of it? What does Alabama need to do in this game to be able to compete with a Michigan team that has looked dominant all season long? Well, I think Alabama has – Alabama's a lot faster. And, again, they, they still haven't peaked yet. They've been going up and going up like that little yodeler thing, and the, and the price is right. No, they just keep going up, and they haven't peaked. But if they can stay and if they can get to the quarterback, I mean, I think they can hold them tight with McKinstry in, in the corners over there and, uh, and, and Arnold and stay in there and, and keep that over the top in control. But I think the pass rush and how fast Alabama is compared to Michigan, uh, I think that'll that'll take them to the – to the glory hole. All right, so if we see what that's going to be able for them, uh, how do you slow down J.J. McCarthy, Blake Corum, and this defense? We know that 
you know, just like with the Texas game against Alabama, that Alabama had issues with playing the, you know, winning the offensive line and the defensive line. They fought better. They were able to win it against Georgia, which nobody does. They were able to win it there and get the game. How do you how are you able to stop JJ McCarthy and Blake Corum and make this a game where Alabama can be in control offensively? They just, you know, it's 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 typical, man. It's like bully them, get them, get them uh, third and long, and have those, you know, have Dallas Turner, you know, have those. Just get to the quarterback. Don't give him time. And I, if they don't, they don't give him time. He's, they'll sack him. And I think that the, their defense has grown so much from, you know, getting bullied by Texas and then that whatever the hell that was at uh, you, South Florida. <laughs> But they've grown a lot, and if they can just get – and I think they can because their defense is a lot better than it was. Just get to the quarterback, and I think that the safeties and the, the corners will control the sides and over the top for sure. All right, so what's your final score prediction? Is Alabama walking away with this? Oh, of course. I think Alabama should beat them by double digits. Honestly, by double digits. I'm going to say 27 to – 18. 27 to 18, holding them down. And I do think it's going to be a lower scoring game. Both teams do play good defense. Uh, it is going to be not necessarily the shootout that Texas and Washington could become. Uh, do you have Texas beating Washington? Or is this a Alabama Texas uh, national championship for you again, Bruce? Hey, man. It couldn't. I mean, why do you think they put Alabama in there? They knew it was going to be a sexiest rematch in history. They knew it was going to happen. And, you know, I, I am too. I, I really, you know, both of them can pull it off and meet the national championship, have Texas, Alabama. You know, it'll be revenge for, you know, putting the cult, the cult thing, and then it'll be revenge for them getting their butt handed to them earlier. And uh, I. It's going to be hard, man. It's hard to beat a team twice in one year, much less when a Nick Saban's team. So that, I that, can't wait. That's the other deal. Is can, can Harbaugh beat Nick Saban? I don't know if that's a reality. Saban is just a really, really good coach. And I think Harbaugh's a good coach, but Saban's really good. Did you hear what else Saban did? Saban told the guys while they're down there on that uh, they can't be on their iPads because – uh, they're thinking that, that uh, Harbaugh and Michigan are going to infiltrate their iPads in their place. And they're watching their <laughs> I swear to God, I heard that. Oh, that's funny. All right, Bruce, I appreciate you calling in. You're playing tonight. Come and take it live. Uh, 8 o'clock, early show. You're kicking off the show. It's going to be a ton of fun. Saucer, if you've never heard them, uh, it is a blast. Omar Vallejo, Les Fisher, George DeVore. It is a blast when they play. Uh, what can fans expect if they come out and join us? Join me for a beer and a show and you and all that. What can they expect tonight? It's just, dude. It's straight up hard rock. It's timeless hard rock. It, you could, it, it could be from the seventies, eighties, nineties, two thousand up to now. The uh, the songs are, you know, uh, like I said, they're timeless. They're hard rock. They're not metal. They're not just lame old rock and roll. It's hard rock right in your face. Sauceratx.com. Go check it out. You can check out the songs there on Spotify and uh, come out and join us tonight at eight, like early show, eight p.m. before you go out and hit the town. Come get, come get that testosterone and all that good stuff going. There you go. I'll see you out there, Bruce. I appreciate you calling in. I'll see you in just a little bit. If anybody wants to come join me for a drink, I'll be out there and come and take it live. We appreciate yes, it, Bruce. Yes, I'll sir. say hook them horns. What do We're you say? All, all right, brother. I'll see you all later all tonight. <laughs> My man, Bruce Castleberry there. I uh, appreciate him joining us. Saucer is really, they're a fun band. If, like, if you've ever seen George DeVore do his stuff, he's great. And then with that band, everybody in the band is super talented. It is a ton of fun. I hope to see you out there. We'll join us. Uh, text line still open, 512-447-3776. Uh, we're going to hit that a couple more times before we get out of here. 
Uh, we're going to try and fit in some NBA if I can, if I get the time. Uh, we're asking you for MVP and score predictions for the game. Uh, if you have those, send those in, 512-447-3776. Uh, we are doing a pregame show on Monday. It's going to be basically the same time, but three hours, 4 to 7. Myself, Rod Babers, Aaron Hogan in New Orleans, thanks to our sponsors of uh, Hayes City Store and Taste on Main. We appreciate them sponsoring uh, allowing us to get some coverage there in New Orleans, get a feel for the city. Uh, we just talked to uh, Joe Cook. He said that the feeling in New Orleans right now is confidence. Both teams are confident. Uh, it's not necessarily scared, but both teams feel they got a good shot in this game. Uh, my man Chan says on the text line, uh, apparently there's another defensive end that is brand new on the Washington team that may cause trouble for us. Yes, uh, Durfee, he's not brand new. He's a transfer, uh, He but they said it was a second transfer. NCAA did not grant him a waiver to not wait the year. However, there was a court case in between uh, the end of the regular season and the bowl game that it basically the NCAA has now said we're not even fighting second second transfers. We're not fighting it anymore. So that means that he should be eligible for the game. He is a transfer of a top guy that was playing very well uh, before he transferred to Washington. He hasn't played with the ball seasons. So we don't know how much we'll see him. But he is somebody that will come in and want to make an impact. Now, what kind of game shape he's in, what how many plays he'll play, you know, even if he does play, I don't know if we know any of that so far. That could be all red herring. Uh, you know, it could be like how they're saying with Marvin Harrison Jr. that he's at practice and he's really trying to help out Ohio State University by not declaring for the draft before the bowl game. But he may also be this may all be just a show, and at the end of the day, he does not uh, perform. But I appreciate you sending that in, Chan. Uh, that is true, that uh, there is a guy, we mentioned a couple weeks ago, that he is uh, uh, he is being available, he should be available because of that court settlement. It's just the NCAA. They're just awful. They're just really awful. Uh, and if you did, we did mention a little bit earlier too, Texas basketball does play tonight, 7 p.m. on Longhorn Network versus UNC Greensboro. I feel like the record and their stats are a little bit padded because they played some pretty bad teams so far, but Texas needs to be sure to show up and play a good game. They've got a week off that Hood should help out. Caden Shedrick, some that should be able to help out. Dylan DeSue, all those guys rest up a little bit, get some shots in, enjoy some time with the family, come back and play a really big game for Texas tonight. All right, we're going to take our last break. When we come back, uh, we'll get back to the text line. If you got a final score prediction, MVP, for, MVP prediction for the Sugar Bowl, send those in. Anything else you want to mention, talk about any of that stuff, send it in for us. Uh, on the text line, 512-447-3776. I'll try and shove in some NBA talk there at the uh, in the last segment as well, uh, there in last call before we get out of here, uh, and I'm going head down to come and take it live. Uh, we'll do that right here on the Sports Complex on the Horn 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app at hornfm.com. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on the Horn. Last call. So either hook up now or go home and take care of yourselves. To alcohol, the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. That's what I do. I drink and I know things. Bring a pitcher of beer every seven minutes till somebody passes out. And then bring one every ten minutes. I'm very drunk and I intend getting still drunker before the evening's over. Wrapping things up here on the Sports Complex on a Friday afternoon. A short week, so it doesn't even feel like Friday, but I'm going to appreciate it. I'm going to go hang out with my friends and go see some good music over at Come and Take It Live. If you want to come join me, come over there. Come say, hey, the show starts at 8, so I'll be there. Heading out from here, I'll be over there about 7, 7.30. If you 
you know, if you're hanging out, if, you, if you're bored, come out and say hey to me. I'll be hanging out tonight. Uh, but I uh, appreciate our man Bruce Castleberry from uh, Saucer calling in. They're playing the night eight at Come and Take It Live. Appreciate Joe Cook from Inside Texas. Check the podcast page. If you missed any of that, we will have all that posted up very shortly. Text line's going. If you still got a couple minutes to get it in, 512-447-3776. Uh, if you've not got it in so far, some score predictions that are jumping in. Uh, 38-27 Texas. 42-21 Texas. Two defensive scores in that game. Uh, and Chan, my man, says Texas by three, 27-24. Chan is the more realistic of all of us who always is going to be a little bit closer, but I'm hoping uh, Texas, I won't get my score prediction until Monday. We'll be doing the pregame show uh, four to 7 PM right here on the horn. Rob Babers joining me in studio, Aaron Hogan in new Orleans. Thanks to our friends at Hayes city store and taste on Maine. It's going to be a fun show on Monday, getting you ready for uh, the sugar bowl. Uh, it's going to be a fun uh, show on Tuesday when we're celebrating the win. So I, I mean, my score prediction, I can't get, but I can tell you, I do think Texas is going to win this game. It's going to be a fun weekend. Uh, to be a Texas fan. It's going to be a fun Monday, let's say that. It's going to be a fun weekend to watch college football. A uh, little NBA talk, just a little bit, just because I want to bring this up because the Spurs got a win, and I have to say on my show, the Spurs win, I have to mention it. Uh, they were able to beat the Trailblazers 118-105. to 105. Huge first quarter. We're able to lead the entire game. Uh, they're so far, they're 3-0, and they lead the entire game. So they just need to keep leading the entire game, and they'll be good to go. Uh, Women Yama does put up 30 points in that game, shoots 9 for 14, 6 assists, 6 rebounds. Good game for him. Uh, did it in pretty short time as well. He is going to be out tonight, though, uh, for people getting mad about the rest. I get it. Tell the NBA to stop scheduling back-to-backs. That's the end of that. Stop scheduling back-to-backs. Just stop doing it. People, you know, they're, they're going to try and rest their stars. Uh, the Spurs are saying this is because of his ankle, that he's rolled his ankle three times so far this season, and they really don't want to keep him going hard on it day after day after day on his ankle. That is the excuse they are giving for him not playing tonight. Uh, if you missed it, the, the Pistons uh, almost beat the Celtics. The game goes to overtime, and the Pistons are now at 28 losses in a row. That is a tied for the all-time record in basically all professional sports of the longest uh, losing streak of all time. They play the Raptors on Saturday. If they lose that game, they are the losing, the biggest losing streak pretty much in major American pro sports history. So uh, it'll be an interesting one to watch to see if the Pistons are able to break history and not set the record alone by themselves. Uh, some other big games. Spurs play the Trailblazers again tonight. Women Yama out. Uh, Trailblazers are favored by 6.5 in that game. Spurs played pretty well last night, but losing Women Yama is going to be a big blow. We'll see what they can do tonight. Uh, also, uh, tonight, 76ers are at the Rockets. 76ers only a point-and-a-half favorite in that game. Uh, so the Rockets at home. Shingun against uh, Embiid should be a really fun matchup. And the Mavs are at the Warriors on Saturday. Uh, two teams that are not really where they want to be, but pretty close. So uh, all that stuff to check out in the NBA. And, of course, tonight at 7, Texas versus UNC Greensboro. All that. Uh, and then, of course, the big bowl games as well. Uh, we enjoy, we're going to enjoy watching all that. Let's see. We got another hit on the text line. Oklahoma Greg says 41-38 Texas. And don't think uh, University of Washington has played big humans on the O-line through the Pac-12 this year. I don't believe they have either. I don't think they've necessarily played the size and the speed uh, of Texas. But they do have a really good O-line. They have a pretty good D-line, too, on those edge rushers. Uh, we'll see what they're able to do. Uh, appreciate everybody joining us on the text line. We hope you join us on Monday for pregame, uh, hanging out with us 4-7. to 7, And then uh, we'll see what happens on Tuesday. I think I'm joining the morning show, so we'll see what the afternoon show looks like on Tuesday. If I'm not completely dead from staying up all night watching the game and then hopefully celebrating a win then doing a morning show. Uh, I'll see how much I esteem I can push out. I'm getting a little bit older. Can't do it like I used to. 
appreciate everybody, though. Uh, last show of the year. Thank you guys for all the fun we had in 2023. My time with Ball Don't Lie. My time with Sports Complex. I really do appreciate all you guys that have been hanging, hanging out with me. It means a lot to me that you guys hang out and choose to listen to me. Uh, I really do appreciate it. So uh, we'll be back in 2024 on Monday, 4 to 7. We're doing the pregame show. And Tuesday, we'll be back regular time in 2024. But until then, be kind, be safe, keep your underwear clean. And we'll see you right here on the Sports Complex.